3: I kind of, like, solved some questions about what happened, you know, about, like, this girl that you were with.
1: I mean, you know, it was somebody that I worked with. First, it started as just friendly conversation. And then friendly conversation turned into flirting and texting back and forth. And it just happened where she came over.
3: When did she come over? Did you invite her?
1: Uh, yeah, I told her to come hang out. And uh, I really, truly thought that I was going to be able to keep it right at that line.
3: But you knew that you weren't. You knew what was going to happen.
1: I mean, I know it sounds stupid, and it sounds extremely naive, but I didn't know what was going to happen. Obviously, that's bull
3: He knows what he's doing very well. Why would he be looking at other people and you know setting dates and all of that just for out of boredom or for fun? You know, if he didn't have an intention of actually. Doing. <laughs>
0: to another episode of everyone's business but mine with me cara berry 90 day fiance edition i have to say i loved this episode of happily ever after i thought it was completely messy and dramatic and just like a chock full of entertainment for the full two hours i really really loved it let's start with somebody that i didn't love andre and elizabeth it is like a battle of who like i did they make a secret pact to each other? Is there like a bet that we don't know about? Like which one of them can be worse? Which family is worse? I mean, I'm not even going to put it on Andre's parents. I his brother is mm. <laughs> the sister in law is. Mm. <laughs> it's mostly just Andre. From what we've seen, I mean Elizabeth's family is definitely like just full-on terrible just ran right through the race the ribbon on their chest like they're winning that hands down but when it comes to Andre and Elizabeth it's like why why are you together and why do I have to be subjected to your terrible relationship it's unfair what were the really the highlights um basically they're storyline this week was that her family was starting to come into Moldova, Moldova and starting with chuck and charlie chuck being the father charlie being her brother they go to the airport andre's like already over it he's not excited to see them which like why would he be i mean i can't really blame him for that because they clearly don't have a good relationship and also like her family fucking sucks like <laughs> of all the things that i can point the finger at andre for like that's not one of them even though he completely takes advantage of their situation like does andre think he's like fucking kate middleton here like you're not I, he really thinks that like they have a boatload of money and that he can just be um a stay-at-home father like and that and that elizabeth actually wants him to be a stay-at-home dad even though she has repeatedly made it very clear that she does not why he thinks that is beyond me i think andre really has like a problem with lying and a convenient narrative that fits whatever he feels like doing in his life which appears to be nothing but anyway they're at the airport (sighs) her father with the usa hat Was that necessary? This is your first time out of the country. (laughs) And you need to wear a hat that says USA as if you're a tourist in America. Like, did you need people to know that you're like this superior American man? What? (laughs) Republicans are so freaking strange to me. Chuck and Charlie are already over it. They're like, ooh, we got here and it's gloomy and it's not even sunny. Like, oh, it's really not, we're not in Tampa anymore, are we? Like, no. Tampa, where dreams come true. Get out of here. They get to the car and they're driving to his parents' house because they have, like, a full spread welcome to Moldova dinner for them. And then they're going to head over to their Airbnb. And on the way there chuck and charlie are completely interrogating him it's like 20 questions all about moldova they've probably had more of a conversation in this car ride than they have in the entire like however many years that andre's been in america um uh, do you guys have a walmart uh do you guys eat salads here uh, chuck do you eat salads is it uh, sir um do they have amazon here is there a fish market how do you guys get fish um. <laughs> then we learned that Andre said he was a detective Well first he says cop And then he says detective I don't believe either of those descriptions Is accurate to whatever he did And the law enforcement in Moldova the, Chuck did ask like What if you guys get pulled over What is the protocol and Andre's like well I mean you just bribe them To get out of a ticket That's basically how we do it here So, we learn that he was a cop. Then he says detective. He says he really more worked in the office. He wasn't, like, on the beat or anything. Um, Nothing about Andre gives me, like, critical thinking. um, Any sort of skill that would require being a detective in any country. Moldova or not. Um, Then they're like, why, if you had such a good job... Because you know they love cops, right? <laughs> why, if you had such a good cop, a good job, why did you then move to Ireland to be a bouncer? Which is not an unfair question. Like the things don't really add up. Andre says, um, you know, I was like, I didn't like the job. I didn't like, you know, they weren't really doing things. Like basically, what he was saying is like, I, I just didn't like how they were handling. My job. I I just thought it was like n- morally, moral, morally corrupt. Let's say, and I just wanted to change. I think his brother lived in Ireland or maybe a cousin or something, and he got them a job as a bouncer, and that's where he met Libby. So they're getting really suspicious, which is two things: not unfair, but also. Why didn't you guys have this conversation before he and Louie got married? Like, they've been married now. It doesn't matter if they have been married in Moldova or... She already has a kid with him. They've already been married. Like, what what are the stakes here? What does it matter? I... (laughs) I'm just very confused, like, oh, now, now we should be suspicious of Andre, like, (laughs) now that there are complete legal ramifications to them, like, getting a divorce, like, uh, maybe now, just now that we're in Moldova, like, now we're gonna get some answers, we're gonna ask your brother, since he speaks English, to tell us the truth about what, what your job really was, and Andre's like, he's probably not gonna tell you. And frankly, like, he even he agrees. He's like, it's too late now. I don't, I don't really know what their endgame is. There are several things about them and their storyline that bothers me. Like, one, it seems like their relationship is terrible. And it's, like, not terrible. It's not good in an enjoyable way, like, like the family Chantel and Pedro. Two... It seems like there may have been, like, some sort of conversation had before filming of, like, we have to really ratchet up the drama here. And so we can, like, get a spinoff or secure another season. These people aren't meant to be on television. Like, there's nothing... Like, I don't feel bad for Elizabeth. I don't think that Andre is, like, a good villain I think he's a blatant misogynist who's taking advantage of the fact that he's living in America. And nothing about them is enjoyable or entertaining to watch. So, TLC, if you hear me, the the production team over at 90 Day Fiance, like, no thank you. I'm good. I'm busy, and I'm full. I don't want any of this. Um, Let's move on to... Uh, I guess Asuelu and Kalani. They, Asuelu has officially apologized. They go to the playground and he apologizes to Kalani at the swing set. He probably wanted to be in him, but he, you know, he refrained. But we learn it's like, I mean, first of all, we know that his apology is not pure. (laughs) We'll say like, there's always something behind it. And I understand that he is. Uh, homesick and really wants to go to Samoa but and good on you for explaining like I mean good good on you is not fair it's not cool to be like I acted like a complete dick because I wanted to go to Samoa and didn't get my way and so I called you a bitch like that's not fair but I guess fine for admitting that I guess (laughs) but like also it's like you're only apologizing because your father-in-law made it very clear that he would beat your ass completely and he would absolutely put hands on you if you did not apologize to his daughter and two oh um i was just wondering if maybe we you know since we can't go to samoa like maybe we can go to washington because my mom just happens to be there and i have two half sisters and even though i really don't have any sort of relationship with them like i just kind of want to go okay fine but like w- why didn't you present that as an option before Late, <laughs> right? like if you obviously like you're going to see her family and i would imagine his her mom would be like a big factor in going to Samoa but if she's been chilling in washington like why didn't you, instead of getting in this whole big fight with Kalani, why did you not just say, like, okay, well, can we go to Washington? Since we live in fucking Utah, it's, like, way more convenient and a whole lot less expensive. Dummy. Ah, <sighs> jeez. Um, then we have a group video chat, and I gotta say, Aswelu made a lot more sense when we, once we met his mother. She is an animated lady isn't she? <laughs> she is miserable in America. She wants to be back in Samoa where she can weave and do hard work and she feels like all I do in America is eat and sleep and I'm frankly just ready to die here. Um, then we get a whole thing about like, Asuelo, I hope you're treating Kalani right. I hope you love her. I pray every day that my children have love. <laughs> Screaming. I just want love for you. I just want love for my children. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's just a lot of theatrics. Okay. I got it. Um, That's not an it, it though. Because she wants money. I've done the work I've invested in praying for you and now it's time for you to pay up since you've got all you want do you have a thousand dollars for me Asuelu and the mom and the sister are tag teaming like yeah you owe her money like pay up bucko give me a thousand dollars and Asuelu's like I could maybe give you like five hundred dollars you have a car right yeah well sell the car and give me some damn money what ma'am how is he going to get to his frozen yogurt job without a car? Girl. <laughs> and if, um, excuse me, mom. If you're, um, feeling like you're really want to go get to weaving, like, I'm happy to set you up an Etsy account. Some nice hand-woven baskets that you can make and sell them on your own. You can rack up that thousand dollars that you need so badly real quick since you, feel so lazy and like you want to die and, and you're so you need so much money girlfriend anyway like he's got kids his sister literally said like you should be worried about your family first yeah he is his family with his two children that are both under four <laughs> what do you mean which family are you like who, little oliver can't get some pampers because you guys need money? For what? You're not even doing anything. Ugh, they piss me off. <laughs> but let's go to Angela and Michael. They had a pretty boring um, storyline too. Frankly, I just feel like if Michael can't get to America, then like, what are we doing here? Like, how many more trips can she make to Nigeria? I'm, I'm over it. Angela and Michael were doing a lot of, um, uh, you know, their their wardrobe was really animated today or last episode Angela had you know she was giving us the little like tumblr girl with her scrunchie she had on a yellow v-neck shirt that said flawless Um, they go to the market there's just it was mostly just a discussion about like I'm American and so when you get to America you're gonna have to learn that you're gonna be doing the cooking Michael And I'm not going to be a typical Nigerian wife. Your parents are coming. Your mom and sister are coming over to our apartment. But once they come to this apartment. They're in America. Even though we're in Nigeria. She. They have to go to the market to get some food. That Michael will be cooking. And they. Things don't go well. (laughs) We'll just say that. They. um. Get to the meat section of the open-air market, and things really take a turn. Real downward slope here. Uh, Angela gets her eyes on two goat heads, and she loses her mind. Running out of the market, running to his Toyota Corolla. Uh, Very upset. My stomach's unsettled. Michael starts to throw up. Chugs half a bottle of Coke, and a cigarette to calm her nerves and her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says "relax" like forty-five grams of sugar and a menthol. She pukes outside of the car. Michael, I saw two gout heads, and they had their tongue sticking out like "Oh, oh, uh, oh!" Uh, I'm gonna puke. Oh, uh. okay, girl. Girl, thank God for America! Thank God that I don't have to deal with this. okay, Angela, calm down <laughs> um that was really it i mean his par- his mom comes over her sister comes over they um he tries to make plantains. They're not having it because this is not like what they're used to. Fortunately, for everybody, Angela bought some ordered some pizza and his mom's never had it, but she was loving it, loving her life in that supreme pizza. Uh, let's end on Colt and Larissa. I have been saying all season that they have been by far the most boring couple, but they were really giving it to us. Wow. 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 So we're in Brazil. Colt is there with Debbie and Jess. They go to have a dinner with Jess's family to get the official approval from her father for their relationship, stating his intentions. Like, I really love Jess. I love her so much. I want to have children with her. I have the purest of intentions. I'm not just dating her to make Larissa jealous and, you know, find a replacement Brazilian woman. Uh, Everything is fine with Jess's family. But of course, Debbie's not having it. She's like, don't you guys think this is a little bit fast? And it's clear that Jess has had a couple of, you know, beers at this point. And she is like, ma'am, you're a bitch. I don't need an American citizenship. I don't want it. I just want to be with your, your big boy. Your big, strong boy. And if you have a problem with it, like, kick rocks, lady. Basically, fuck you. (laughs) Debbie's not having it. A big kerfuffle happens. Debbie ends up leaving. Colt does not leave with her. She's very upset that she has to go all the way back to the hotel by herself. And Colt is giving us looks. I will say that. All episode first for their dinner he's giving like I don't ever go to church and so I have to go to church now but I only have this like polo and a brown corduroy jacket that it was like you know from high school you know from like my my uh theater performance in Pippin uh then we get him the next day. He's clearly gone through it. His hair is giving us chicken little. Uh, then we see them on the beach, y'all. <laughs> and, um, ooh, Sports Illustrated, here we come. I, listen, I don't want to body shame. Uh, you know, me and Colt are two curvy women. And, listen. I celebrate everybody. Uh, If you want to be on the beach in a Speedo, God bless. But like, can we find the correct size Speedo? Because there was a lot of tucking in happening. There was a lot of, you know, like uh, uh, material just like rolling down, like a tight, tightly rolling down because it can't take the strain of, of all that's happening. Colt has some titties not T-I-T-T-I-E-S T-I-D-D-I-E-S baby he needed a control top like he could have looked really cute and like kind of what Jess was wearing like just like a kind of vintage you know like one strap around the neck I don't know what that cut is called like a high waist situation like give us like a pinup girl, Colty. Like that would have looked really cute on you, I think. Um, they have this conversation in which Jess keeps calling him a baby boy, and he's like, "I'm not a baby. I'm not a baby. I just love to take care of my mother. My mother who does my laundry and cooks every meal for me. I'm taking care of her. Okay." And you would do the same. And you can't treat my mom like this. It's going to be a problem. If you continue to call her a bitch across the dinner table. <laughs> um, That was basically it. She kind of gets a hint. And then we get to Larissa, who has been forced to move in with Eriki. Because she got kicked out of her friend's house for starting to date Eriki again. He moves her in to his home with his, like, weirdo gamer roommate. And she insists on having the spare bedroom because she doesn't want to go too fast with Eric. He agrees to it. Everything is fine until we get a red screen come up on the TV saying, um, a couple days ago, Larissa decided to go through Eric's phone without him knowing. She found some old texts. And my thing is, like, okay. Yeah, he probably talked some shit about you when you guys broke up. Just like you did the same and put an order of protection against him. Like, okay, fair game. Everybody's allowed to talk a little shit after you break up with somebody, right? So she obviously grabs a phone number. Calls Natalie and... She gets her own speakerphone and says, Natalie, this is Larissa. Who? This is Larissa. Um, I just want to know what he said about you, what What he said about me. Because I saw a text that said that he was talking about how I'm a bad mother and how I don't bathe. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so I just want to know what else he said to you. Let's so come to find out. And Natalie is like, he's a terrible person. He's awful. I met him one night and he was talking about shit about you all night. And so he's such an awful person that I gave him my phone number and continued to communicate with him. But he's so terrible, right? Um, he said, I met him in a bar with his family. He was talking shit about you. His dad was talking shit about you. Um, he was saying that you're crazy, you're way aggressive, um, that he met up with Colt once. Colt invited him to his home so they could talk about her, which is something that Larissa knew but didn't want to bring up because she didn't want to, like, dwell on the past. Good on you. But apparently, Colt and Ericy had a little bitch sesh in which they went back and forth about what it was like to have sex with Larissa, comparing notes on how she gave Colt head versus how she gave Eric head, joking about how it was different, Um, really weird things. Am I surprised that they would say shit like that? No, no. Not at all. Colty is not the, you know, pushing my glasses into my face every five seconds, innocent boy, mama's boy that we think he is. He's just not. He's gross. He's weird. And to act like Larissa's like the outright villain in their relationship is wrong. And it it's just like factually incorrect. Like, he's a weirdo. Debbie's a weirdo. And. Larissa didn't make anything easy on herself, but like, you know, they didn't make it easier for her either. Um, she's pissed. Somehow, even though Larissa insists on calling them Colty and eric as if she doesn't know their actual names, she knows the word pejorative, <laughs> that they spoke about her in a pejorative way, which I, you know, that was a, a bombshell. Um... She, gets have to, she has to get off the phone with Natalie because Eric just parked outside and is coming in the house. He, She runs to her room, and production's like, do you want to talk to him? And she's like, yes, I do. I'm going to confront him. And that was the end of the episode. Wow. Ooh. <sighs> she... Um, you don't have too many homes to hop to, baby girl, so... You got to play this straight. I I don't know, girl. All right, y'all. Let's move into 90 Day the Other Way. Okay. So actually, before we get into 90 Day the Other Way, I wanted to um, read this post from Cold's mom, Debbie. <laughs> uh, Rachel, great friend. And um, one of the co-hosts of Hollywood Crime Seed podcast alerted me to this post from Debbie. She has really gotten into her literature bag, (laughs) y'all. This is so weird. Okay. So she writes, There once was an evil villain. This redheaded vixen set her eyes on her prey. P-R-A-Y. She tracked him down, knowing how vulnerable he was. Her sexuality was very powerful. Her eyes remained on the prize. Her dream could come true, but only if mommy stepped aside. Will her dream come true? She asks herself, my visa, my visa, my K-1 visa. Uh, (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Imagine writing that about the woman that your son is dating.
2: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
3: go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off bluenile.com code listen
0: what what does culty have what power what what pheromones is he giving off that have these women tripping women that are Significantly more attractive than him. (laughs) And his own mother. Why? Why? I don't understand, like, (laughs) why? It's so It's, like, literally making me so uncomfortable. I'm laughing. Why is Debbie so invested? Like, does she... Is this, like, a real thing? Is it a combination of real and reality like the show reality like something in my shando tells me that debbie is under the impression that people find her obsession with her son and her investment into his relationships like entertaining and like in a certain way it is but like the fact that you wrote this with your whole chest debbie ew (laughs) ew (laughs) gross it's so weird like i could barely even read it it makes me so uncomfortable the secondhand embarrassment like imagine you looking thank god my mom doesn't have instagram but even if she did oh yeah, yeah yeah she would never she would never ew Do you guys have parents who are that invested in your relationship? Like, that isn't normal, right? That you would write down some sort of, like, evil witch fiction about your son's... (laughs) I can't talk about this anymore. It's so weird. It's so weird. All right, you guys. Let's get into... 90 day the other way i'm going to start with you know like to go from least to most the least boring i'm going to start with ariella and binyam so they go on a hospital trip with her mom janice and everything is above board like fortunately for binyam and unfortunately for janice the hospital is very clean they are kind of like natural natural birth forward, but then they have all the medicines, all the equipment that they need to move into like a more, you know, like science-based pregnancy birthing situation. Like they've got the Pitocin, they've got all of the machines, anything you could possibly need, just like an American hospital. Nurse Janice is very impressed I found this like Gross right Like it was gross in a twofold way Like gross that you Just had like That you were just like so Pleasantly surprised because it wasn't Like It wasn't it was like Her expectations was that like Ariella was just gonna be like Plopping down her baby Into like a dirt hole and even the nurses that, like, showed them everything, gave them a tour of their facilities, was like, yeah, we're a third world country, but, like, everybody has children, y'all. Like, they got it. They understand. Like, you don't have to be that surprised, you know what I mean? Um, But she's also, like, disappointed because she this was going to be like her major card to get Ariel to come back to America. And now she can't play it. So she has moved on to plan B, which is to ask Binyam about his last relationship, his last marriage and what happened. Why did she and the child move back to America? What's your deal? Um, So they go and get coffee and she asks him and Binyam's like, clearly was happening with this conversation is that like Binyam speaks very good English but you know it takes a while I think to get into like the subtleties and to translate kind of like what people are trying to say like when they're trying to be Trixie which is what Janus was doing like trying to bait him into like a conversation about vocabulary and like oh you said this word is that really what you meant like you know She wasn't giving him much credit. So he was like, frankly, I'm confused about what happened in my relationship, too, because... But basically what happened is that my ex-wife saw some messages from an old, you know, like a friend of mine who was a woman, an old friend of mine who was a woman, and she thought they were, like, sketchy. She, you know, it was completely platonic, the messages that she saw, but, like, she just got jealous and that was, like, it for her. And she kicked rocks. And so Janice is like, well, what what really happened here? Like, he's like, you know, I, I apologize. He's like, did you, did you guys have any other conversation? I apologize. This is been But why would you apologize if you didn't do anything wrong? And he's just, like, looking at her like, I, I don't. I don't know, <laughs> like, I I thought I was doing the right thing, I don't know, obviously she was upset, so I apologized to her for making her feel that way, and it was just, like, really awkward, because they, Janus is trying to trap him into saying something, and then it's like, okay, she couldn't do that, so then it turns into, well, she was also American, like, was your plan to find another American woman So you could come to the US And was like No <laughs> And then they have this conversation about how privileged Ariella is And, and he, she's like do you know what that means He's like yeah It means like she lived a very good life In America And she's like yeah she really did So what are you going to do To ensure that she lives like Just as good a life in Ethiopia And he's like well this is like okay um I am doing my dancing I'm a really good dancer that's you know starting to you know like evolve a little bit in terms of my career and I'm hoping to also be a singer and I'm hoping to be very successful from being those two things um have you guys by the way if you guys have not seen this all, I'm happy to post it. Um, and I'm putting happy in quotes here. But I'm happy to post it. Uh, if you guys have not seen the wedding video with Binyam and his first wife, it looks like they got married in America. And she also was like, like if Ariella's privileged coming from like a doctor father and a nurse mom, like this lady seems very even, like, way more privileged than, than Arielle and her family. Like, I think that they had, like, polls with the government to try and get him to America. Like, with the with the state to try and get him there. And, like, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, it didn't end up working out. But their wedding video? Ooh. Ugh Like, if Debbie's poem story, short story was weird, like, oh. Ooh. I find wedding videos to be 90% cringy. Like, they're really just for the couple. Like, I don't need to see the highlights about your wedding. You know, that's really just for you guys. Like, please don't post it. But it appears that Binyam's first wife (laughs) was also a dancer or a woman who likes to dance. Most of their wedding video is, like, you know, typical. They're, like, you know, there's some sort of, like, indie acoustic guitar playing with a woman singing in the background and they're getting ready and then you see the video the the guys taking the pictures and the women taking the pictures and the guy's putting his cufflinks in and the mom's hugging the daughter and the dad's crying and then they see each other down the aisle. But okay, most of the their video is from their reception in which they do some kind of interpretive dance that is equal parts embarrassing and sexual so if you have not seen it it is there's a lot of like um a lot of grinding interpretive dance grinding like classy elegant grinding there's a lot of you know like her wrapping her her um legs around his waist and like he's twirling her around there's a lot of like her on the ground and him diving into her it is it, it, it's a sight to behold it's imagine having to be subjected to an entire choreographed dance at a reception You've already gone through the ceremony and you're like, oh my god, can I just, like, go through this buffet line and get some, like, cold chicken? Now I have to watch you two express your love through with each, to each other through the power of interpretive dance. Like, ugh, please kill me. Like, I would leave right then. Just, let's just go through the Wendy's drive through Like, I, I can't. I can't. Um, anyway. I think that was really just the end of them you know, Ariella's mom is just, you know, she just, her main goal is to get her daughter away from Binyam and out of Ethiopia. And frankly, you should want him to want to move back, to move back to America, right? Like, you want her in America so bad then maybe just take his possible taking advantage of the situation as a blessing. That, like, okay, if you guys want to move to America, then I'll make that happen. I'll help you make that happen. Take it. Take it and run with the Janice. Oh, Lord. Um, Armando and Kenny, really not much to talk about with them. They're still walking around their new town. And basically their storyline is just about public displays of affection like Kenny wants to hold hands he wants you know he says like I would kiss you right now if I could Armando's clearly very uncomfortable with it but it seems like he feels guilt about it but then it it also seems like they've had this conversation before like even Kenny points out like I've been out as a gay man longer than you've been alive Armando's only been out for, like, in a real way, a couple of weeks. Like, in terms of, like, out to your family, you know, it's only been a couple of weeks for him. Like, maybe he had that conversation with them a couple of years ago. Maybe, his, maybe he's got friends and they know and they're fine with it. But, like, he's not anywhere near where you are. It's not even just that he's not out. It's also the culture... Of the country that he lives in that is a lot more conservative, a lot more, you know, like, based into, like, machismo and a lot less accepting of gay people. Like, all of these things are things that you have to take into consideration. And it makes me feel bad that Armando feels guilty about not being where he is not being as far in his journey than Kenny is, as Kenny is, and I just feel bad because I don't want him to, I don't want him to feel like a disappointment, you know? Because there are a lot of good reasons, solid good reasons why he's just not there, like, Kenny, maybe you should think about how you had, you know, Kenny really had like a, I don't want to call an ideal coming out, because it wasn't, like he had to he felt like he had to move down to Florida he felt like he couldn't be out in Ohio, I think that's maybe where he grew up but that he had to move down to Florida and make that happen, that he had to have that conversation with his parents on the phone, but in, you know, in terms of coming out and stuff like I mean I can't really speak from first hand knowledge I'm tragically heterosexual but just thinking about like what I know of the coming out process and like to be able to come out at 19 especially at that time we're talking 30 years ago 28 years ago at this point when AIDS was rampant and very judged and very like stigmatized to be able to come out at 19 have your parents accept that and love you and you have been able to have children like yes you had to have them with a woman but it just seems like you know in in terms of like a coming out process it seems like on the better side than what especially compared to what Armando has had to deal with um, so I just wish that, like, Kenny would accept him more and and meet him more where Armando is at. Not, at least to the point where it'd be like, yeah, like, it really sucks for me to kind of have to go back into the closet a little bit in a public way. But I'm going to do that because I love you and because I'm trying to meet you where you're at. Like, we all have, just have to meet people where they're at, you know? Um, so they go to, like, a Jesus statue <laughs> and have more of a conversation. And, and I feel like Kenny's kind of pushing him a little bit. Like, I don't want to go in on Kenny completely, but they have a conversation about going back to Armando's house, meeting his parents, going to pick up Hannah, how that's going to look. And, you know, Armando, Kenny's just like... I don't know. It was just like a really uncomfortable conversation. Um, but Armando's like, I hope that the fact that they recognize that you were willing to move all the way to Mexico for me is going to help them be more accepting of what I've got going on. So in our relationship. So I don't know. We'll see. Now time for my least favorite couple of all, Brittany and Yazan. They go to meet up with Yazan's uncle, Abraham, to hopefully get him to talk to his parents, try to convince them that they need more time to get married. So Yazan tells his uncle, Abraham, about the fight. Everybody was tripping and how they think that Brittany is making up excuses to delay the wedding. You guys hear that? Bullshit is universal and you guys don't need to be speaking the same language to pick up on it. They can clock Britney from Jordan to Miami. They know something is wrong. They know she's hiding something. They're not trying to hear it. And Britney, really, her clock is ticking real fast. Her deadline to be telling the truth about the fact that she's actually married. And first, secondly, I want to know, like, She thinks that she's going to be able to get a divorce in six months, but don't we all remember that I think she tried to divorce him and he didn't want to, the future ex-husband? So how is she so confident that this is going to be happening? Like, don't you have to agree to a divorce to have it go through? I don't even know that she should be that confident about the six months, you know? i mm, i don't know girl i do not know he his family has no idea but they do on a certain level they understand you gave us promises and now you're trying to pussy pop and backtrack on them we know that we know that we're not being told the whole truth even though we don't know what the whole truth is <sighs> mess <laughs> so yes admits like he has a conversation with Abraham. And Brittany does this thing like, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. But, like, yeah, of course you don't understand. And, like, yeah, Yazan should be um, translating to you. But she acts like, she's, like, low-key Islamophobic. And I don't know why Yazan isn't calling her out on that. Like, they try to pull this whole thing at the end of the episode about, like, I just wish everybody would understand that, like, I love her and she loves me and we have love for each other and we found love in a hopeless place and love will lead you back and, you know, I don't, know, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm Stevie Wonder to their love. I, I, I can't see it. I, so here's a conversation with Abraham and Abraham wants to know, like, has she even converted? And Yazan's like, no, she hasn't. And, like, kind of uses that to convince him more that they need more time. And Abraham, now I have to take points away from Yazan on this. Abraham says, it is haram for us to try to force somebody to convert to Islam. Like, we don't do that. That is absolutely their choice. It is a consensual thing that you have to do. That is a choice that you have to make, that Brittany would have to make to convert. However, if that's something that she wants to do, she's going to have to be making a lot of changes. You can't be twerking next to a dirt bike in Jordan. And he kind of confirmed what I had been thinking the whole time, is that, like, yes, Islam is a more... conservative religion than the no religion that britney has but it's also a family thing that yasin's family is just like conservative in their own regard right abraham's like i know your dad he's really you know like he likes to keep it tight and so britney's gonna have to make a lot of changes but that's the decision that she's going to have to make. It's like, she can do whatever she wants because she's not Muslim right now. But things are going to have to change. So Yazan, I noticed and I don't know if they took it out in editing, if they were trying to be tricksy with us or not, but we did not see Yazan tell her that she did not have to convert. What The only thing that we saw him say was that you're just going to have to make a lot of changes. You're going to have to change a lot. And I really wonder if he told her everything that uncle said or just the parts. Like he decided to self edit and be like, girl, you are converting to Islam and you are going to have to make a lot of changes. Um, That was basically it. I think Brittany says like she's open to learning. I don't think she is because she's had a whole lot of time to do so. And she's also admitted, like, every time Yazen has brought it up in the past, like, she tries to change the subject because she's not really feeling it. I don't see how this relationship can go up. <laughs> From the little things that I have seen about... Posted on Brittany's Instagram, I think I'm correct in that, in that estimation. Uh, mm, I don't know, y'all. I do know. It's a hot mess. Let's move on to... Tim and Melissa. Little cheese stick and the hot woman. So he has now arrived in Colombia and he. He just like. I feel like he keeps. I. You know, I, I go through the Facebook groups, you guys, and I. No shade to her. No shade to this therapist who said that she feels like Tim has done the work and that he. Melissa needs to be more forgiving of him. Hard disagree on this side of the fence. Everything that Melissa says makes 100% sense to me. So let's get into it. First, little Colby Jack starts by saying, oh, usually when we go have our meetups at the airport and like I'm coming or she's coming, like she's usually running into my arms and, kissing me and it's like this great dramatic romantic comedy situation and i'm just nervous that she's not gonna do that this time blah 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 she brought her dogs and the the meetup was fine perfectly romantic they kiss they hug no she didn't like run up to him and like jump in his arms but like who gives a shit does it matter? Is it really an indicator of your relationship? Melissa well, did clock in a little bit and was like, you know what? He's gained a little, little weight. But I'm going to give him a little credit. He, he's not, he's not big. Not that it matters, but like, if he, if that is like, he's gained weight, he's now gone from like thin to average. <laughs> like, it's not like a crazy situation here. Um... So then the next day they sit, they, like, go walk around the city and they grab some beers and sit out at, like, an outdoor bar. And Melissa's like, look, bruh, like, I want to know exactly what happened with you cheating on me with that woman. Like, give me the story from beginning to end. I have questions because Tim is like, I feel like we've spoken about this ad nauseum. So, I mean, I'm sure this conversation was for production's sake for, you know, to fill out their story a little bit, but she wants to know what exactly happened. And he said, you know, it was with a coworker, which we knew we started off as friends, totally platonic. The text became flirtatious. And one night she came over. So Melissa's like, okay, did you invite her over? Or did she invite herself over? And he was like, no, I invited her over. And then she's like, okay, so when you invited her over, did you think that this was not going (laughs) to happen? Like, did you honestly think that you guys were just going to, like, kick it with each other and not have it go any further and not have it get physical, especially when you guys have had this history built up of being flirtatious with each other? He was like... No, like, I really thought we were just, like, gonna hang out and, like, it was gonna be cool. Like, no, you, she's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Like, you knew. You had to know on some level, every level. But I'll just give you credit by saying, some level, that y'all were gonna do something or that you wanted something to happen. And Tim then finally admits, like, you know, honestly, like I was just kind of focused on getting laid and I was just like really getting tired of our long distance relationship. And Liz is like, well, you've never expressed that to me. Like you would never express the fact that like you, it was weighing on you, our long distance relationship. And lest we not forget, he cheated on her days before she got there. Like you couldn't wait 96 hours for her to get back to america you waited until the last possible moment to fuck somebody else and now you want to blame it on the distance like if if that were true then you would have i mean i don't know what the timeline was of like her leaving and then c- coming back to america but like if you were so tired of the distance the long distance relationship you would have cheated on her like way before not days before her coming back like come on dude come on um so yeah Melissa says like oh I haven't heard that part before Stinky Cheese Man goes on to say you know every time I try to be honest with you about the situation you broke up with me in the past so like I just stopped really wanting to talk about it bruh excuse me Melissa's says, very smart. We could be friends. She is that bitch. She is the moment. She's a legend. She's just like me. And this is why I'm giving her all these compliments. <laughs> it says, you're being really manipulative right now. And saying that, like, okay, you don't want to tell me the truth because I break up with you. When you do... So, like, you're acting like you, I force you into a corner and, like, you just can't be honest with me because I'm so crazy, right? And he's like, no, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. But it is. It is. You're trying to act like she can't handle the truth. And so I just don't tell you when the truth is you don't like the consequences of your actions. And so you're trying to, like, you know get out of it. Put this man in a fondue bowl and turn the heat on high. I he needs to be melted into informed into another man. Ugh, he disgusts me. Bitch. He he was like in a talking hands so like I just feel like it's been a year and we've talked about this so many times and like you know, now I have doubts about our relationship you should <laughs> she's done nothing but want to know the truth and now you're punishing her and acting like she's the problem and I know your mom's been probably co-signing this that she just can't handle what he's done and so he just like ew ew she's sick
1: Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. moonpig.com
2: Ugh.
0: Speaking of sickening, <laughs> let's get to Ji-hoon and Devin. Oh my god. So Devin and her mom, they've now spent like days away from Ji-hoon. And Devin is, like, super proud of herself. They go to this, like, open-air market that's, like, looks pretty cool, like a food market. Devin's really proud of herself, like, her ability to navigate Korea with, you know, the limited language skills that she has in the country. Like, I'm just very proud. I can talk to people. I can order things. Like, my language is rudimentary, but I've been getting along just fine without Jihoon. Of course, Drusilla, princess of darkness, finds a live, like a tub of live squids and is like feeling the fuck out of it. She's vibing so hard until she meets something that's even more her speed, a bunch of dead fish. Did you guys see how her eyes lit up when that guy was like gutting and beheading those fish? Like, I've never seen that little demon happier. Truly. (laughs) Thrilled. Like, really at peace. Like, really at peace with the world and the environment that she was in. Drusilla. (laughs) Devin's like, whatever my princess wants, she gets. And even if that's, like, a bag of dead fish, then I'm just going to give it to her. Okay. Um... Like I said, Devin's feeling super confident in her ability to navigate Korea until they stop to eat at a restaurant. The place doesn't have any pictures. Like, it's purely all Korean. So she doesn't know what she's ordering. She's like, can I get some beef with rice? Using that translator, Tamagotchi, that she's got. And the results that they get are bowl of bugs and onions and like honestly like i would put another drusilla joke in here i couldn't think of how to do it without being racist towards korean so like you got out of this one drusilla but i'm coming back i'll always be coming back devon says that she she's having a conversation with her mom and says you know I'm thinking about coming back to America. Like, I've got a little bit of money left. I'm thinking about using that to move back. And her mom has chilled out quite a bit. (laughs) And is like, honestly, like, if I were you, we'd be on a plane right now. But, like, you got to do what you got to do, girl. She actually ate the food. She actually is not, like, being completely racist towards everybody, which is something I did not expect. I mean, the bar's in hell, you guys, to be clear. But, like, she managed to jump over that. So good for you. Um, So the next and final, next scene for them, final scene for the episode is the big dinner. Devin has made a vow to herself, like, I have, like, one and a half feet out the door here. I really want to go back home. I think it's going to be the best for me and the kids, but... I want to make sure that I have everything clear and that I get all the answers that I want before I leave. And in order for me to do that, I feel like I need to talk to Ji Hoon's mom. So Devin goes to meet up for dinner with them, Jihoon and his parents. She gets there after them and she's like, you know, unpacking the baby. She's got Tae Young. Drusilla and her grandmother are probably, you know, hanging upside down in whatever cave they could find um, Jihoon, before Devin get, walks in, Jihoon's dad is like, can you go he has to go get some waters for them, so he goes and gets some waters, and then Devin they have like a private room to themselves so he's getting the water, Devin walks in he walks right past her with a plate of water, three three glasses, not four not thinking about Devin at all. He walks right past her, does not make any eye contact with her, doesn't say a thing, doesn't try to help her get Tae his son, out <laughs> to the point where it's clear that, like, his dad is the only one with sense in this family. Um, I think that his mother's hatred of Devin <laughs> is really clouding her ability to, like, feel any sort of empathy for Devin. And also she's just like an enabler when it comes to Jihoon, like period. So his dad has to get up and helps her with the baby. And so they sit down to get to have like a final talk. Um First is Dad. Oh <laughs> First is Dad. When they make eye contact with Devin, when they see her come to the restaurant, he's like, oh, you should stand up, like, to greet her. And his mom's like, shut up. First of all, husband. I think his name was Hongju. Shut up, and I'm not going to stand for this bitch anyway. (laughs) She didn't call her a bitch, but she may as well have. So they all sit down and it's awkward his dad hungju apologizes for not giving any money not helping with the financially with devin and the kids like we as our as his parents are apologizing for not helping and devin's like you know it's not your responsibility it's completely on jihoon you know you don't have to apologize for that like they're using the translator and shit keeps getting like it keeps going from worse to worser First of all, it's, it's a situation where it's like, you kind of have to speak in like, like you can't go into a whole monologue here. You gotta speak in like short sentences for it to able be able to translate correctly. Oh lord. And it's also, it's not even like it's a mixture of like this translator is saying things that are completely off the wall like apologizing for birds. But it's also like when it's saying things that are like kind of correct it's saying it in the worst possible way that is only making Devin more mad when she hears the translation because what we see Jihoon saying sounds like he's trying to be really contrite and honest but like what is translated is like the most fuckboy bullshit <laughs> of all time so what they can't communicate correctly and like Jihoon obviously like understands more and his dad even speaks English they understand more of what she's saying than what she can understand of them so every time they're talking it just it just keeps getting worse Um han at one point asks for one more chance and the translator says even if the son looks out at the bridegroom <laughs> so everybody's getting really pissed off because they really cannot talk to each other. Jihoon's mom is getting pissed. And says, why, Jihoon, are you not telling her that the money that you gave me to save was for when she came back? Why don't you just tell her that? And Jihoon's like, well, that's not going to be good enough. Like, she's not going to understand. And I think, I think she would understand. And I think she maybe does on some level maybe she doesn't because the last episode she was like you had all this money saved and you didn't give me a dime when I was over in America but to me I was like well yeah I mean he w- was saving it for when you guys came because you're supposed to be a stay at home mom and unfortunately every dollar that he would give to you would only make it worse for when you guys were actually living your real life right like it's a shitty situation but like it, it makes sense so Jihun doesn't want to tell her, like, this money was to be saved for when you came here. And he's, like, they're getting into a fight. Jihun's family is all getting into a fight. To the point where, like, Jihun is now pissed off. He turns to Devon and is just, like, screaming in Korean at her. He's obviously got, like, a very aggressive... Like, he's, like, coming at her. Like, his face is getting all red. He's yelling. Very, like, pointed tones being used. And Devin doesn't have any idea of what he's saying. So now she's getting upset. Like, why on earth are you yelling at me? I'm not the one who did anything wrong. You're the one who's 100% at fault. And Devin tries to say... Like, you're the one who's doing wrong. My life is ruined. But I think what was translated is like, you ruined, I I don't know. She says like, my life is ruined. Jihan's mom starts laughing. And. No, what she said, what, what Devin said, sorry, you guys. What Devin says is, like, this isn't a joke. Like, this is my life, and this isn't a joke. And Jihoon mom starts laughing. What is translated is that Devin is calling him a joke, which he is, but, like, Jihoon then gets mad, and is just like, fuck this. Like, I'm leaving. I'm not doing this. And that's really what we see is, like, he stomps off. He, like, walks all the way to the elevator and, like, isn't trying to have this conversation. He gets really pissed off. And that's where it ends. It does not look like things are going to go even any better for them next episode. But we'll see, you guys. <sighs> things are really heating up. I'm loving it. And hating it <laughs> at the same time. All right, you guys. I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you